Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. You uh, want to talk about stuff that sometimes makes a game more interesting, but sometimes makes a game worse? Wait, what? Intrigue. More like confusion. And welcome to Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I'm your other host, Senda. And for tonight's topic, David sent us an email to ask, Hey, Senda and Phil. So a while ago, my GM was running and he introduced a new mysterious NPC. This NPC gave us contradictory information to what we'd just gotten. When asked why, after the session, he said it was supposed to add intrigue. Another player noted to him that it just added confusion. Is there a fine line between intrigue and confusion? How can a GM add intrigue but make sure that the players aren't confused? Well, this is a good topic. Oh, I like it. it. Rubbing my hands together. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there is a fine line uh, between intrigue and confusion, and it has a lot to do with definitions. <laughs> um we're going to talk all about this tonight, right? Yeah, we're going to talk about basically two perspectives on this, shock and awe, right? We're going to talk specifically about creating intrigue, and then we're going to talk about avoiding confusion. But to start it off, since you just mentioned definitions, Definition Panda, let's hear those definitions. Yeah, so intrigue is about arousing the curiosity or interest of something or to fascinate Right? That's really, I like that. That's a good uh, yeah. definition. Confusion is the state of being bewildered or unclear in one's mind about something. See how those kind of things can like track close to each other? The next one is red herring. So I want to bring this one up because we're going to talk about it deeper in the episode. But a red herring is something, especially a clue, that is intended to be misleading or distracting. Because that is really, in David's email, that's what that other NPC was, right? They yeah. were a red herring. Right. Which, which were, as not to give away the whole show, but <laughs> the red herring generates confusion, not intrigue. In and RPGs. In yes. RPGs. And this is where David's GM made a mistake, is that they deployed the wrong tool to try to achieve an, a certain objective. Yeah. So intrigue is a positive activity in a game because we can use intrigue to create interest in getting a group to go and investigate some strange smoke coming out of a nearby mountain, for instance. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Right. Like... You don't know what's making smoke. It could be a dragon. It could be a campfire. It could be... And what if And what if the smoke is purple? I mean, even more so. What if the smoke is purple and when you look at it at just the right time of day, it starts, you know, making strange shapes and pictures? Yeah. Very intriguing. Very intriguing. Right. Um, we might use intrigue in a mystery, right? To build interest in a suspect through their actions or words. And it sounds like this might have been more of what was going on for David, but, you know, I don't know the context of the game. Yep, um, absolutely. But so this is, you know, I mean, how do you make it so that your players actually think that someone is suspicious? Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and you can do that, right? The way you yeah. act, what you say, the way you describe a character, all of those things, right? All of those things can um, help build intrigue around a character. 
Yes. Okay. So the danger is that when we miss the mark trying to create intrigue, we run the risk of instead creating confusion. Yeah. And confusion is dangerous for role-playing games because it can stall progress or it'll send the players off in the wrong or worse, conflicting directions. Yes. All right. So tonight we're going to look at tips for creating good intrigue while avoiding confusion. Yep. And I am going to talk about intrigue. And I'm going to talk about confusion and a little bit about red herrings. <laughs> so tell me all about creating really good intrigue. Yeah. So our goal in creating intrigue is to create curiosity or interest where there wasn't any before in the game. So, for example, to just call back to the mountain if it was just a mountain that's been in the background of your game for the last, like, six months and nobody ever cared about it, we all just knew it was there, you have to do something to make the mountain interesting, right? Uh -huh. So the important part here is that you're creating curiosity and interest when there wasn't any before, because now there's something happening. So you don't really need too much to create intrigue if everybody is already curious and excited. So if they are already like, we've heard all these rumors about this mountain, we are on our way there. It doesn't take very much. Right? And, and you don't really need to make any more intrigue out of it. Like, right, they're mission already accomplished. on their way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if the only reason they're not there is because they're buying supplies, yeah. then you're, you're just fine. kind of wasting, like... I mean, if you need to create a sense of urgency, that's something else, right? But like, uh, yes. you don't have to tempt them to get to go that direction anymore. Ah, so <laughs> let's talk about something that's not in our notes. Oh, yeah. Which is raising stakes versus creating intrigue. Yes. Okay. That's so very I think, good. So I think intrigue is when you want, like, you want the players to be like, hey, come look at me. I'm interesting. Don't you want to check me out? Right. Yes. Yeah, I agree. But, but raising stakes is like, hey, I'm super dangerous or something bad's going to happen if you don't intervene shortly. Like the ground starts to rumble. I was right? literally thinking yeah. about rumbling because if you think about a volcano, for example. Sure. Um, so if our mountain is a volcano and you are trying to get your players to go investigate the mountain, but you don't want to let them know it's a volcano quite yet, it's one thing to have weird smoke coming out of the mountain, right? Mm -hmm. That they can go investigate. Sure. And, and, but if you then need to raise the stakes or the urgency, then there's more smoke and puffs of ash and the ground starts rumbling, as you were saying, right? Yeah, and that's different than intrigue. That is that different. Is that's, that's stakes. Stake. Yeah, yeah, that's stake raising. And we have a whole episode about stakes. <laughs> and uh, known as the known as the beef. <laughs> just, uh, Google 102, I believe, yeah. is the episode. Uh, yes. So anyway, there is a difference between creating intrigue and stakes. So intrigue, like I think, is a little more subtle. Right. Intrigue is more subtle. And I think that it's the initial like creation of interest where there wasn't interest. It's not the creation of urgency. Yes. Yes. Very good. Okay. Excellent. Ad excellent additional <laughs> definition. Woohoo! <laughs> so basically, intrigue. If we if we say it like that, right? Intrigue is like the siren's call. It's the thing that's like, ah. Yeah. Um, right. And 
Because you, you're using it as a lure to get the party to go look at something that they may not have noticed before. So like we said, if you do it when they're already curious about it, they're already on their way to the mountain, then it's either like they don't care, they're already on their way to the mountain, or they'll be like, why is this also happening? We're on our way to the mountain. So cool. I'm I'm gonna just do a quick um, I'm gonna do a quick example based on your mountain. Yes. Um, thing. So let's say the players have already been curious about the mountain, right? Because they've heard a bunch of legends. They stocked up on a bunch of things and they start heading towards the mountain, right? Yes. Yeah. But you're like, you know, I'm gonna be really clever and I'm gonna be a little. I'm gonna I'm gonna create some more intrigue and I'm uh-huh. gonna have like this purple smoke like start coming out of the mountain. Yeah. Right. Like just. I feel like just, I feel like there's an abject lesson about don't be clever. Just coming right up here. Carry I'm just on. gonna. We're, I think we're just gonna do an episode called "Don't Be Clever." <laughs> I um, think we might already have. <laughs> uh, anyway, so then like you have the purple smoke come out, and your idea is that the party will be more intrigued to come to the mountain. But here's the problem. So. One, they're already intrigued because they're on their way to the mountain, right? So, yeah. Um, but now, when you create the purple smoke, the party descends into chaos mm-hmm. because some of them are like, "Well, we're good to go. We should just keep going to the mountain, even though there's purple smoke coming out of it." And the others are like, "No, no, no. We should probably research what the purple smoke is because maybe we need something from the village before we go into the mountain." Yep. Because that purple smoke might be from a certain monster, or maybe it's part of a cult or a ritual, and now we're going in without any information. So, you know, what we should do is we should probably stop here. Maybe we should send a couple people back to town to go check, you know, like to go do some research and just like we'll hold camp here. Like now, like you just, like you didn't need to do it. No. Everybody was already on their way to the mountain. Don't be clever. Right. Don't. Yeah. I mean, unless the purple smoke is specifically a thing that is a clue or something, like if it is a clue to what's going yeah. on on the mountain. Or you are raising the stakes, yeah. right? If you're using like, it to raise the stakes, again, that's different. That's different, right? Like, <laughs> and, 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 and what I would say is that if you were using it to raise the stakes, just having purple smoke come out might not be strong enough. And we could maybe do an episode later about the different, like how to differently word those. But yes, there's ways a GM to word urgency. Yes. Into your descriptions. Yes. And like gently, lazy curls of purple smoke, purple smoke yeah. is not, is not, not it. Not it. <laughs> that not is, it. that is the siren song. Not yeah. the, not the omen of doom. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Take it, take it from here. Oh my gosh. Yes. So the best way to create intrigue is to use a modest amount of self- subtlety and then clear language, right? Because when we're gaming, most of what we're doing is vocal and we're just relying on the player translating that and imagining it and correctly interpreting what you're saying into something similar when they see it in their mind's eye, right? So if what you're saying is too subtle or you're leaving your language too vague, then you are again running the risk of just creating confusion because if everybody at your table interprets it differently, then you have a problem because that's when you run into the everybody gets to the thing or whatever and they're like, oh, well, I, sorry, I thought you meant that this was over here and that was over there and they've been taking actions based on something completely different, right? Yep. So, for example, let's say that, let's, let's, let's move away from the mountain for a minute. Sure, sure. <laughs> let's have a mysterious bog instead, 
Okay. Yeah, I like, oh, I like mysterious bogs. We so. like mysterious bogs, right? So, so we we're having a wilderness adventure, and there's a mysterious bog. And the players have just made camp, and you want to draw their attention to the mysterious bog because they haven't stumbled across it yet, right? So give me an example of not a good way. All right. So, okay, ready? Yes. So you're cooking, you're working. You see a flicker of light off to the west. Bob comes back to the camp with some firewood, and you start to make a fire. Yeah, so... uh. You, you like really buried the lead, right? In that one. To, I was being subtle. Yeah, right? I was Don't be, be clever. Being... Don't be clever. You yeah, no, no. I was, be, I was being subtle. I didn't, I, I wanted to just mention it, but not draw your attention to it. Right. So that's totally Guess buried what? the lead. The players are right. not going to get that. They probably missed it entirely. Right. Uh, yeah, because honestly, players like during narrative t- during narrative sequences, a lot of players start to detach a little. Right. So yeah. maybe they're maybe they're maybe they're checking their character sheet. Maybe they're like quick, you know, skimming their notifications. Maybe they're like topping off their soda. So like that burying the lead thing. Don't do half it. the t- half the table didn't even hear it. They didn't even hear it. And the half that did because it was so buried probably did not catch that it was important. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. Give me, give me, give me another bad one. Uh, all right. Ready? Um, there's something going on in the woods to the west. Right. So, like that, like something. The players don't know if it's something magical. They don't know if there's like a giant crashing around over there. They don't know if there's like roars or monsters or something, right? Because so now we've created confusion by too much vagueness. The first one was too subtle. Yep. The second one is too vague. So yeah, I was plenty clear. I was you, not subtle, right? You were not subtle at all, but you right. were super vague. So what will happen in this sort of situation is players are just going to start declaring actions all over the place because they don't know what's happening. So they're going to they're gonna try and cover every single base that they can. Right. Yeah. So they're perception gonna, checks and, yeah, perception and spells checks. and readying gonna, weapons. They're and, gonna, you know, make a, a bubble of protection around the camp. They're gonna do, and you're just trying to get them to notice that there's a bog over there. Like the bog's not going to attack them. It can't go anywhere. It's it's in the ground, right? Correct. But they have to leave the camp to go see that. It's gonna take them now 45 minutes to leave the camp. Yep. <laughs> For the bog. For the bog. Yep. All right. Give me a good way. Okay. As you wind down dinner and are enjoying your evening pipe, you see the soft flicker of lights and hear a soft humming sound coming from the grove to the west. Right. So now the players, they don't know what's going on, but the description gives them a much better idea of sort of the magnitude and intensity of what's happening. And their actions are going to be more directed. So they know there's something over there in the west. They know it's intriguing. They're not going to just be like, oh, God, immediately cast all of the combat spells, right? We don't know what's happening. But hopefully it will be very interesting. They'll be like, oh, we need to go check this out before we go to sleep because we don't know if we want to sleep next to mysterious lights. Yeah. And and I also, again, in the siren song kind of way, right? I, I've, I, use the word, um, I use the word soft, yeah. right? Um, humming, humming yep. right? Like mm-hmm. these are sounds that are intriguing, right? Yes. They're they're not threatening. They're gentle, I, 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 but they're mysterious. Gentle. Right. I'm not raising stakes on you with nope. them. Like I'm not creating an urgency. Nope. Right. Because urgency would be like you hear that you see a soft flicker of lights. 
coming towards you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, right? that has stakes. <laughs> right. Stakes have just been set. Coming towards, towards you. you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The soft flicker of lights in the distance, mysteriously, that's the siren song. Absolutely. Anyway, so basically, for intrigue, we're saying it works best when you're creating curiosity, when they didn't have any before, right? Yep. That when you are not too subtle, because you got to make sure that everybody can pick up on it, and when you use clear language so that they can envision what's going on. I should say clear, intriguing language, or like clear, curiosity-inducing mm. language, not yep. clear, urgent language. <laughs> no urgency. No urgency, because it's just intrigue. Yes. Right? There is. There are plenty of reasons for why you would want to make something urgent. Yes. But urgent is not intrigue. Yes. Cool. Cool. All right. So um, tell me how we can do all of that and avoid confusion. Right. So um, with confusion, again, we're trying to avoid making people bewildered. Yes. Or making things unclear. Yes. Okay. And a lot of what we just talked about in your section is, you know, addresses this, right? About not being subtle. Yep. Right. And and using that clear in that clear mysterious language, right? Like yes. Shouldn't say mysterious, but you know like, what I mean? Like yeah. not stakes raising. Right. Right. Non, not urgent. Non-urgent. Non-urgent, right. <laughs> so that helps a lot. So what I really want to spend the rest of this segment talking about is the red herring. Because I personally hate the red herring in RPGs. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to soapbox a little on this. Yeah, do it. Okay. So the thing is. That in other media, the red herring actually works pretty well. Right. right. So red herrings in TV murder mysteries and, and novels and things I like that. Agatha Christie plays. Like, yes. Yeah, as the audience, you're like, oh my gosh, what could possibly be happening? Yeah. Right. And, and, and there's a reason for this, and that's because one, quote, person is in control of the story. Yes. But see, the problem is RPGs are a collaborative media. Yes. Which means that we're not just playing the game ourselves, we're playing the game with other people. Yes. And for our game to actually progress, to make progress through a story, we all have to kind of work together and push the story forward, right? By taking our actions and all of that. Right, which means you have to be pointed in the same direction. Correct. Yeah. So if collaboration breaks down for any reason, the group grinds to a halt and the story, story stops. Yeah. Now, A red herring, by its very nature, is designed to confuse a mystery by offering intentionally misleading clues. Yeah. So when you drop one of these into your mystery, it creates confusion. Yes, because that's the point. So either the whole party believes the red herring and they all go chasing off after it, which ultimately leads to nothing. And then, you know... Well, they get pissed. Yeah. So, like, what if they just burnt, like, a shit ton of spells chasing this red herring, right? Because you're playing something like D&D where you have, like, resource management, right? You have healing spells and and other spell slots and stuff like that. And they just chase this red herring for two hours. And then, like, they get, you know, they they use all these spells and then wah, wah. like Red herring. Red herring. Yeah. And then right? they're like, like, but now we have to take a long rest and we're not going to actually get further in this until next session because we wasted all of our time chasing this thing that was nothing. And not right. only was it nothing, it literally gave us nothing to further the plot. And that is literally the best case scenario yeah. for a red herring, right? Yeah. The best case scenario is that they spent two hours chasing nothing yeah. of importance. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
it gets worse. Right. Because <laughs> the other the other common result is that half the party is going to be like, meh, that's a red herring. And the other half the party will be like, no, it's not. That's clearly the correct clue. So now the party splits and they start debating. Yep. And guess what's so before at least they were off for two hours doing something together now. Yeah. Right. Together. They were doing the wrong thing together, but at least they were doing something. Yes. Now they're sitting at the table arguing, arguing. with each other. Probably and, out of character at this point. Right. Like <laughs> like we've we've popped out of character level. We're now like in player level and, and people are getting like super meta about this and like, well, why would this person show up? It doesn't make any sense. It's so it's so arbitrary. It's clearly it's a red herring. Meanwhile, the GM is like trying to keep a poker face, right? Because the GM's like, <laughs> it's my I'm so clever. I'm it's so clever. I'm so right? clever. Look at me. I'm being so, clever. Right. So anyway, what's not happening? Is story. Right. (laughs) Or anything else. (laughs) Right. So so maybe they just sit and argue. Or worse, they split up. Right. Because now they're like, well, clearly we're going to go look in this direction and go take two hours to find out that's a red herring. And you guys go the other direction, which might be good, but now you're missing all those people. So either you don't progress well or you progress and get yourself in trouble because you don't have like the barbarian with you. Right. Right. Because the the encounter at the end was planned for more people than you ended up encountering it with. But you split the party. Yeah. Right. Okay. No, don't ever split the party. So here's the thing, right? This is the reason why in 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 tabletop role playing games, red herrings only sour investigations because when you intentionally seed confusion into a player investigation, it just it it just makes things worse. Yeah, because the thing about RPG investigations is they're actually pretty hard to play through. They're hard to play through because it's hard to through skills represent the like aha moment of figuring out a mystery so we actually rely on the players at the table to figure it out right and so yeah i mean well this goes into the ideas of um imperfect knowledge shared imaginary space right like which is always imperfect right like it's never perfect nobody is seeing the exact same thing in their head as everybody else at the table right so all of that. So again, so if we compare this to like watching a mystery on TV, right? When you and I are sitting on a couch watching a mystery on TV, we see the same image. Yeah, the exact right? same thing. Yeah, we're sharing a we're sharing a visual experience and having not a perfect same visual experience because but, sometimes we focus yeah, on yeah, different yeah. things, but pretty close. We're having the same visual experience. Right, but. But in a role play, a tabletop role playing game, that's all happening in a shared imaginary space that's pretty much, with the exception of some props, pretty much fueled by words. Yes. Which everybody can interpret a little bit differently. And is highly subjective to what and how much attention you are focusing. Yes. Very, very (laughs) much so, right? So that just makes inevitably, it just makes RPG investigations much harder to play through than I think as GMs we necessarily always realize. Um, 
Like no, you're absolutely like, right. It's like, harder than you looking at the like crystal clear like A to B to C. It all makes perfect sense, and you can't imagine any other way that it would go. But as players, it's not. It's already not going to be as clear because they have to interpret what you say into something similar to what you saw in your head when you wrote it in their heads. And then all three or four of them all have to be on the same page. Like, it's just there's a lot of layers to it, right? So you know what you don't need to do then? Yeah. Add confusion. Correct. Yeah. You do not need to add any confusion. The players are having enough of a challenge. Right. Don't be clever. Don't it, another case of don't be clever. Yeah. Okay, and uh, when we fall back to um, the tried and true, don't be clever. We must have reached the end of the show. So, uh, Santa, tell me about another show on the Mistracted Mark Network. Yes, on Down with D and D, Chris and the Mad Wizard Sean Merwin dish about everything D and D with a focus on the brand and newest edition of the world's most popular tabletop RPG. Say, Senda, where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pandas Talk Games. You can someday find us in the Misdirected Mark when community it's forums. They will come when the time we're is busy. Right. We're, we're, we're like, when, we're like a lot of busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been conventions and stuff, but when, when the day of the prophecy arrives, then ye shall have the forums. Yes. Good. When the raccoon hangs high in the sky. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the moon is in alignment. Um, yes. Good. <laughs> or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they have that information, what can they do with it? Please, please, please send us more topics. Man, we love getting topics They're from delicious. you all. Seriously, we're like 95% sourced by your topics. Um, it's our actual favorite way to do this show, largely because I think if it was left up to just the two of us to come up with ideas, the show we would have been done like a season or two ago. Yep. <laughs> but since you guys keep show, keep showing up with more and more interesting things, great. we just keep talking about them. Yeah, they're delicious. And we love it. Love it. So thank you very much. And keep sending them. Yeah. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Mr. Mark uh, Network, you can support our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get all sorts of goodies. Uh, the bonus outtakes, which is going to be a lot about panties this week, um, as from this show, the after show from Misdirected Mark. Uh, sometimes when we are able to record them, the convention um, recordings from our panels right. go into go to our patrons. Yep. Other things include access to our Slack room. Uh, if you like Minecraft, you can come hook up with us and play some Minecraft mm-hmm. uh, as well. And I think. I'm fairly certain Mm -hmm. our patrons in like a week or two are going to get a little gift. Yeah. uh, Via encoded designs. Yeah. Does it start with a T and starts with a turning, ends with a point? point? (laughs) Yes. Starts with a turning, ends with a point. Yeah. Um, Quick start. Yeah. The quick start. I'm more than certain our patrons will wake up to it probably before everyone else gets it. Yep. Because that is a thing about the way uh, Misdirected Mark and Encoded Designs kind of hook together like, you know, Lions and Voltron. Uh, We also like to do shout outs to uh, our various (laughs) patrons. So, um, Santa, give us uh, give us a couple of uh, shout outs. Yep. Jesse Edmund, the Royal Doctor. That's Doc Palindrome, just in case you were wondering of the lounge. Mm hmm. Danielle Thomas, thank you so much, Danielle. Um, we'll see you at QCC. Yeah, we'll see you at QCC. Rock on. And M.T. Black. That is an intriguing name. 
right? Cool. Um, <laughs> thank you very much uh, for your patronage. Um, we appreciate it greatly. It keeps the lights on. It keeps us doing what we love doing. Uh, there's another thing people can do if they are already supporting the Patreon campaign or unable to support the Patreon campaign, which is perfectly fine. And that thing involves an apple, uh, involves an app, and involves some nice words. What is that thing? You can leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get actually really does help new people find the show, which is fantastic. The only wonky thing is like we 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 can't see them all. Like it doesn't tell us or anything. So like if you leave it somewhere that's not the US iTunes store where we can check easily, let us know so we can go find it because we seriously, seriously, seriously love reading them. They're really fantastic. And thank you so much to everybody who has already left a review. Say, Senda, show me how you're going to create some intrigue in your next game. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Okay, well, that was a weird aborted start. Yeah, clicky take two. Clicky take two. Clicky take one only worked for you. Clicky I got a, take one was just a me clicky. I just got a weird error message. Yeah, excitement. Was, no, 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 not excitement. No. Not at like 1220 at night. <laughs> 12:20 at night when I push the record button I want I want waveforms not right. error messages <laughs> not excitement no 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 uh, Ryan Bolter asked uh, for the pre-show um, about bag atrocities. <laughs> and as it turns out, we have some. <laughs> really, Phil has some. Yeah, so uh, when I say bag atrocities, the number one atrocity when I think of um, carry, like just awful things you can do for carrying. do it. Are those stupid sack backpacks. You know the one I'm talking about that's like... Yep. They're it's the nylon. Yep. The, yes, the nylon. The nylon bag with the draw with the strings. Yep. That turn into straps. Fucking yeah. Worst backpacks ever. Bloop. Right. So let's talk about what's wrong with this bag. Right. So there. Are, <laughs> right. So there are three things. There are three things fundamentally wrong with this bag. So first of all, these bags are almost always made uh, with the cheapest nylon material possible. So few yes. things. One. One, it's it will fail under heavy stress, mm-hmm. and two, you have zero water resistance. Yes, like the, the water will just absorb right through this nylon and get whatever's inside wet. Right, so you have zero weather protection, and um, usually shoddy construction. This thing is not going to hold very much. No. Okay. Next thing you already hit on is those stupid cords. Oh yeah, because even with like a wallet. Of right. like the normal size that I carry, which is not a small wallet, but it's like not an intense amount of weight, right? Yeah. But like that's enough that with those stupid little rope cords in your shoulders, they will hurt. Yeah. Soon. So here's the problem, right? So the way that bag is designed, it has no ability to distribute weight. Yep. And what weight is in it is immediately transferred to those thin cords, to which tiny, are then tiny thin cords. Right. So here, so, all right. So this is the thing about backpack straps. Backpack straps distribute the weight 
uh, one, onto your shoulder, but two, like onto your shoulder over your chest based on the width and the material that it's made from. So for instance, like um, my Peak Design Bag, the um, the shoulder straps are actually pretty dense. Like they're pretty dense and firm and they kind of break in after you use them a little. But what it means is like um, when you're carrying weight, the foam like holds its shape. So it's, it's, it's distributing some of that weight and then it's just the rest of it's pressing into you, right? But it's like a flat, like one inch band with those ropes, right? They're just individually cutting into your shoulder. So if you throw like, like, let's say you were using that sack to carry around some Dungeons and Dragons stuff, right? So if you throw a player's oh hand, if you, if you throw the core three in that bag, oh throw it on your God. back, it's just going to cut into your shoulders. Ow. Plus, it's also going to hang stupid, right? Because there's no right. structure to this bag, right? It just, it'll hang like on the small of your back and then it's cutting into your like shoulders and your chest. Like those bags are atrocious. But man, do I hate those stupid string backpacks. <laughs> they give them out on campus. Oh, like, yeah. All the freshmen have them. Yeah. So it's just like, I, like as I walk through campus the first like week or two school, I'm like, they're oh, all carrying poor, them. Poor, dumb little kids. Like, don't wear these just because they gave them to you. I will never let, I, like, I'm just going to, as soon as they hand them to my kid during orientation, I'm going to be like, give like, me this bag. You <laughs> know what course, this bag Of we're sitting here saying this, and I'm going, I wonder if, but those, the thing about them is they're cheap to get printed in mass. Oh. So, like, as marketing materials, no. I'm going, no, no, hmm. no, 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 Good, I just wanted to see your- Our network prides itself on excellent GMing advice, inclusivity, and safety, bags. And, and decent carry. Now, listen, we're doing what we can for Sneezak, but I like, oh, we feel like we're making, we're I feel making like we're progress. making progress. He's moved from like the single- side strap messenger bag with no balancing right to like, a backpack to to a backpack at least we're getting there we're like, getting we're making there. we're we making, making but under no circum under no circumstances are we putting a misdirected marker panda's logo <laughs> on one of those sack bags now you know what you know what we you know who could the who? raccoons Oh, if the raccoons oh, wanted to no. put their logo on no. that crappy bag, no, they could, no, because that is because uh -uh. those bags are trash <laughs> the, and the raccoons eat trash, so that would <laughs> okay. be that would we be should, fine. We should, um, yes, we're ready to start the show. I have ranted enough. Bloop. Allow me to descend from my soapbox and uh, let's begin yep, the show. Let's push it out of the way for a second. <laughs> All righty. It was a very squeaky soapbox. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bloop. Give me a meow. 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 Oh, not very good on my meow. <laughs> Do you need another a take two? Meow take no, two? No, no. No, it's all right. It's just kind of a weak meow. <laughs> I'm just not, I, you know, I got. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, they say one out of every five meows. Bloop. You ready right. to do this? Yes, Meow. Meow. <laughs> Cue music. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Oh, second one? Okay. Bloop. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm your intriguing host, Phil. And I'm your confusing host, Senda? How, how not fair is that? 
I don't want to be the kind of locked host. you kind of locked you into it that one. Did <laughs> that was so not fair. Bloop. Cool. All right. Good. Anyway, good talk. Good talk. Good talk. <laughs> good. Good talk. Get there. us out of here. That's all going Quick. in the bonus outtakes. Quick. Let's go. Run <laughs> <Right> away. <laughs> Bloop. Very black. Very. Very um. Empty. Bo- like. Yeah, yeah, Agent M- Agent. Agent Black, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, Agent yeah. Black. Black. Um, also, could be like a corporate raider, like AMT. Like MT, did you get the stock? Did you get the stock reports? MT. Yeah. Like, I think our hostile takeover is underway. Could be. Could also be like a hacker. Right. <sighs> yeah. Like mass trans mass, mass transmission black. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking yep, about. Yep, okay. Anyway. <laughs> Bloop. Apparently, I'm just going to start singing like I'm Ariel. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Bloop. Siren. Show me what you got. Siren call. Show me what, what you got. got. Show, Show me what, me you, what got. you got. Uh, uh. <laughs> 42 minutes. We got like just like a few minutes before we go out. Like super quick minutes, though, because if we leave it at 42 minutes, like that cuts off like 10 minutes of editing. <laughs> I'm with you. I was just going to say, I think we're going to do a show at some point about not being clever. Like a whole show dedicated I, to like you why you sure should not be clever. Haven't? I'm not really. I don't pay attention. I know. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Let's look. At 162 episodes, like... Bit.ly slash MM Panda. Bloop. Bye. Bye. And, and stop.